I'm Alexis Dion. And I'm Chelsea. And we're the co-hosts of High Priority, a podcast where we ask industry experts the tough questions about the past, present, and future of the cannabis industry. All right, Chelsea. Um, I want to just say we are on a roll here with all of Mm -hmm. the fabulous guests we've been able to book lately. And shout out to Ryan, our uh, producer extraordinaire, for helping us book these incredible um, guests over the past month and a half. So, yeah, I'm really excited to see what's next on the horizon for us. Yeah, it's crazy that we started just a few months ago begging people to come on. And (laughs) now people ask to come on the show and they say yes, left and right. It's a weird feeling. I'm not going to say no to it. Exactly. Like, um, just just hearing about, you know, all the different people that have like heard about our podcast and say they actually tune in. And so, you know, it makes me feel better that it's like, all right, somebody's listening. It's this is not falling on deaf ears. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so our guest today is someone that's been on, I guess, my personal bucket list mm-hmm. for quite some time. I've been like a fangirl, super fan since I want to say like 2018, 2019. Um, so Sunday School is a Asian-owned cannabis fashion lifestyle brand. They started out in fashion. Um, I actually learned about Sunday School through a friend who knew one of the co-founders when mm-hmm. they were in investment banking together. And he was like, oh, you work in cannabis. Now there's this like really cool like fashion brand that my friend started called Sunday School, but it's spelled like like the ice cream. And I was like, oh, whatever. (laughs) Um, And then they got like really big and like their fleeces are like you see them on John Lett, like John Legend. Pete Davidson's wearing them. Wow. Um, They have a cannabis brand now where they're where they're selling pre-rolls and gummies. So you can see them all over California. So I'm just... I'm really proud of their growth, and it's really cool that it is a Asian and LGBTQIA-owned mm-hmm. brand that I feel like has stayed really true to its roots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, representation definitely matters. I'm really glad that um, you brought Sunday School to my attention because I know sometimes I can be a little lame and just don't know much. So um, I'm really glad we were able to finally lock in Day and and get him on. But I mean, I'm just kind of yes. reading through some of these stats when it comes to um representation and it's of course uh, abysmal um yeah. people of color comp- uh, com- comprise 30 percent of c-suite at the 14 largest publicly traded cannabis companies according to business insider um and then according mm-hmm. to the bank's salary guide um there was a particular survey that was sent out asking do you identify as a member of the lgbtqia plus community and 13.7% said yes, 7.4% chose not to answer, and 78.8% said no. So there you go. Mm. Not, not a lot of representation here. No, no. So um, Day, who is the now creative director of Sunday Brand, is obviously Asian American and also LGBTQIA. And so that's a really cool intersection, I think. Also, he was like raised in Korea, so he brings this this deeper knowledge of, you know, uh, you know, like a community and of a culture um, and has translated that to Mm -hmm. like a mainstream audience, which is so cool. Yes, I love that. And a quick shout out to Ophelia Chong, who we had on the show not too long ago. Um, She has been kind of like the glue to basically kind of bring us closer to other um, Asian people in the space. So really, really glad Mm -hmm. we got to interview her and, and really hear her story. Yeah. And if you listen to our episode with her, um, I think she she really drives home the point that it's not that there aren't Asians in this industry. It's that there's like a visibility problem. Um, we're just not at the forefront of like, mm-hmm. you know, we're just like not on like the covers. We're not like the profile pieces, um, you know, when it comes to this industry and Someone like Day is a really important figure because he's like owning it. He, uh-huh. um, his entire company is basically employs like Asian Americans. They have Asian or like diverse suppliers. So he's really trying to bring other Asian Americans into this space and he really tries to partner with them, which is so, um, impactful. 
Yes, yes. I love that. I love someone who's actually putting their money where their mouth is. It's, you know, I, I think time and time again, we always talk or not necessarily talk to people, but we hear people say, you know, we really want to make sure we focus on social equity and we really want to be more inclusive and, and yada, yada, yada. Yeah, but like, blah, 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 blah. you know what I'm saying? But like when when you ask them, like how many people um, of color or queer people are on your boards? How many, you know, people yeah. of color or queer people work, you know, at your company in, in general. And we're not just talking about, you know, the, the janitor. We're not talking about the, you know, the person who just does HR. Like, where are we in the grand scheme of things at your company, you know? So mm-hmm. I'm glad to hear that, like, Day is actually putting his money where his mouth is. He's like, no, we have people yeah. within the supply chain, executives, etc. Yeah, and it's a small company. It's not like... It's they don't have like MSO money or right. anything like that. But, you know, he it's it's a very concerted and intentional effort um, that, you know, he's made to do this. And so I think that sets a really great example. You know, how, no matter how big your company is, no matter like how much money you're making, you can um, find a way to make this, you know, make your company more diverse and inclusive if you so choose. And also, I mean, it kind of makes all the bigger companies look a little bad. Don't you think if a small company like Sunday School is able to do this, why can't a company with 500 plus employees do this as well? Like, mm-hmm. come on, guys, let's, yeah. let's step it up. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I do kind of so. want to like quickly shout out a couple of um, brands that we've been hearing more and more in just like the, the LGBTQIA space because um, I feel like they deserve just as much love as anyone. Um, so there's a particular brand called Green Queen and the queen is spelled Q-W-E-E-N. Kind of cool. Um, it's queer and BIPOC owned and curated um, DTLA dispensary opening in spring 2022. Um, there's another brand called Green Box in Portland. It's a cannabis delivery service founded in 2016 by Adrian Wayman, a black and gay entrepreneur. And then you have Bay Remedies, which is a black and queer owned wellness brand aiming to widen the spectrum of representation in the cannabis industry. So look love at that. that. Giving a little love. A little something, something. Nice. But in the meantime, I want to hear more about the day. Like, I feel like he has a lot of accomplishments and I don't even want to go through most of them, but I think you had told me he like was able to skip two grades or something like that. Yeah. So in a previous podcast, uh, he talked more about his Asian um, and Korean American identity, but so he grew up in Korea and up until like around middle school, then he came to the States, skipped two grades, casual. Um, I mean, some people are just really smart. God's favorite, whatever. Must be nice. Um, (laughs) Then went to boarding school, then went to Harvard, studied applied mathematics and economics. (laughs) A very um, traditional path for a cannabis entrepreneur and fashion designer. (laughs) Um, worked at McKinsey, decided it wasn't for him. I feel like what most consultants come to realize later. Um, mm, yeah. Facts. Then, yeah. <laughs> it's like, I don't want this uh, life. This is boring. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so then he, um, worked in fashion for a little bit, um, and, uh, worked in on some startups and basically started Sunday school with his sister and his best friend from childhood. <sighs> What a dream team. I know. Yeah. That's Some so people good. are just so talented. And also just had like no fashion training. Like didn't go to like fashion school. Just always loved this and like just decided to go for it. Amazing. Very inspirational. Yes. Like, I mean, he, he really took a lot of things that was in his background and just made it into something new and creative. And, and now you have this amazing brand called Sunday School. So... Let's just go ahead and jump in and, and, and talk today and pick his brain. I'm, I'm really intrigued to, to hear from him. So let's just uh, let's do this. Day Lim, creative director and principal at Sunday School. So welcome, Day. You are the creative force behind one of the most in-demand cannabis and lifestyle brands right now. For our listeners who aren't as familiar with Sunday School, can you give us a quick overview of your background and how the brand concept came about? 
Yeah, awesome. Hi, guys. Nice to meet you all. Um, Sunday School is a soul and LA-based um, cannabis brand and a streetwear label. Um, we Our mission is to uh, globalize cannabis. Um, you know, beyond the California state lines. Uh, and yeah, and honestly, we just started the brand because we wanted to imagine a world where God is Korean and smoked weed every day to create creators. So that's it. really it. And yeah, my name, uh, I'm Day. I was born and raised in Korea. Um, I, uh, from Seoul, from Gangnam. Um, and yes, it is like Gangnam style, very uh, metropolitan, uh, very, you know, concrete jungle vibes. Um, a lot of young lights. I came to the US when I was uh, 12 and a half, almost like 13. Um, and then I've been living uh, in mainly the East Coast. Um, so in Connecticut, and then uh, I moved to uh, Cambridge, and then I moved back to New York. Um, yeah, and then I uh, was I was in consulting for a bit, and there, you know, I mean, honestly, looking back at it, I'm so grateful for that experience because it really, I'm like the most scatterbrained. I'm the most like you know the <laughs> typical millennial ADHD person, um, but it really gave me a good framework and guidance on how I need to organize myself and prioritize my time. But that being said, working for uh, pharma companies and finance companies and, you know, working really to maximize value in terms of maximizing the client's profits was not hundred percent my vibe. Um, so I decided to pursue what I love the most, which is fashion. Why I love fashion is because I think it's, you know, the most primary way in which you can, express yourself on a daily basis. Um, you know, every day based on what I wear, like I, you know, manifest that energy and I really channel that um, presence, um, which is uh, why I started working at V-Files um, in business development. V-Files, uh, for those of you guys who probably don't know, is a fashion collective based in Soho. And the whole mission is to empower um, young designers to give them the stage of their lives through, you know, platforms like New York Fashion Week, Paris Fashion Week. So I was mainly there to um, build out their sales department and um, develop partnerships with larger corporations. Um, yeah. And then uh, I became the head of that department and it was also great, but uh, meeting a lot of young designers, it was so inspiring. Um, and it was very empowering because I was like, I could be a designer too. Um, so I decided to learn some Photoshop, learn some Illustrator. I always loved sketching and, you know, doing art projects when I was younger. And one, um, one winter time when I went to Korea, I just had this idea um, of what if God is Korean? What if God is not this white male that, you know, the Bible portrays it to be or all these like European murals and then from there on it just kind of evolved into a seven piece um, t-shirt and a hoodie collection and we launched it in 2017 420 and it's almost our five-year anniversary and I'm almost I'm edging 30 <laughs> so I can't believe that uh, time flies this fast wow that is quite the origin story um and I believe you're like fifth generation, like Protestant or something. That's right. And that like that religious influence really shaped like the Sunday school's original vision. Yeah. So to talk a little bit about that, like I grew up every Sunday, I went to Sunday school um, and now every day I go to a different type of Sunday school. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, basically. I, you know, I used to pray to God every day and it was almost kind of like my planner. I'm not going to lie. God, today I have to do this. Uh, I have to run an errand. I have to get my mother a gift and I have to study for my AP chemistry test, blah, 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 blah. Like, please, you know, chant, help me channel like all this energy to be the best person that I can. Be. You know, that was kind of, um, so it was like, kind of like talking to myself uh, via mm -hmm. God um, into my journal. I actually read um, some of my old journal entries recently and I cringed so hard, but you know, wow. it is me. That is what makes me. Yeah. And then it was really when I started and this is going to sound so blasphemous, but you know, I respect everyone's 
viewpoints and religion. Um, and I hope they respect mine. Um, but basically I started smoking weed and like really smoking weed in college. And yeah, it was at one point, And I I think it was like to, uh, it was around my junior year when I was applying for internships. And when I was applying for internships, you know, I had really never like everything that I set out to do, I did. Um, So I'd never really experienced like failure. So I was very arrogant and Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm only going to apply to three companies uh, for my internship. And uh, I applied to all the three companies and I got to the final rounds and then I got dropped for, from every single one. And I was like, Oh shit, I don't have a job. Like, you know, everyone's like, I'm going to be doing blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, Oh, I'm going to be chilling. Uh, And that was like the first real kind of like, and this is such a first world problem. I feel like, you know, crying over not getting internships, but like, that was like the first time when I felt like really rejected. And when, you know, I, I'm, all, I'm always like a very confident person, but when I, like when my self-worth didn't really match up to my expectations. Um, yeah. And then based on that, I, um, you know, I, I started, you know, smoking weed more regularly before it would be like, you know, every weekend type of a thing, but I started smoking weed every day. And then I was just like, Oh shit. Like, and, be, and back then I was like praying every day and so like writing notes every day too. And then one day as I was writing, I was just like, oh, I'm kind of just talking to myself and I, God, and uh, <laughs> had, a, had a little Kanye moment there. Um, yeah. And then I just basically kind of realized, you know, like I'm not, I'm obviously not omniscient. I'm obviously not omnipresent, but at least in my life, in my little corner of things, I think I'm aware of the things that are going on um, or at least I try to be. And that like, I'm in control of my destiny to the best of my abilities. And then the rest is up to the law of large numbers and chaos. Yeah. And that was like, you know, I think looking back at like when I started Sunday school in 2017, I did, I like, that was the first moment that I thought about when I quote unquote, like, renounce this like god who i thought was this like skinny um white dude with a beard who's brunette and i was just like <laughs> and like that was like the moment when i'm like huh maybe weed is my god interesting okay that is definitely a cool story for sure i mean i i definitely renounce any any god that uh is depicted not correctly in the Bible as well. So I'm with you. Uh, um, Not a lot of fashion designers have a degree in applied math and economics and start their career as a consultant at the McKinsey. So considering how you and your co-founders all came from finance, how did you know where to start in terms of launching the brand? I know you talked about um, how you acquired the vendors, but how did you how did you guys start in terms of launching your brand and what prompted you to finally pull the trigger? Yeah, so it's a little different for us because we were like, so for instance, my sister, who I started the brand with, um, she was a student at Penn. She was a student at Wharton and she was like 20 and she didn't know anything about finance. Like, you know, and I, I, I like know about finance, but it's not like I, I like numbers because I like how they fit. You know, I like how there's a clear answer, but Beyond that, it's not like I'm like liver, like I need to prove this theorem. Like, like that's why I did applied math because I just want to use these numbers to get to, you know, the final outcome, whether that's an insight, whether, you know, that's, you know, whatever that answer may be. But having come from consulting or having come from, you know, running like sales, for me, I wanted to really do something exactly opposite and do something that, I could kind of really immerse my creative channeling in from. And, you know, when I worked with Cindy for the first year, um, it was really just about like, what, how can we really push this culture forward? Because like the whole point of Sunday school is that it's an irony, you know, a Korean 
back then when we didn't have any lead products, we never meant to start a cannabis brand. Like it was just like, oh, I want to start a fashion brand. A Korean smokeware product, we're like, let's call it smokeware uh, instead of streetwear. Um, like Korean smokeware brand is just like almost like like a lie. It's like, it's, it's not even, I mean, it's not a lie to me, but to many Koreans who don't like most Koreans, especially in Korea, don't smoke weed, don't even know what it looks like. Don't even know what it smells like. Um, and then also for, you know, Korean Americans now there's definitely more of, uh, um, there's a lot more that smoke, especially in the younger generation, but it's not really something that's like common. So yeah, based on that, uh, like we just really wanted to keep in mind the oxymoron, the whole, like the duality in this dichotomy, you know, of being Korean, but being a stoner of being kind of scholastic. We are a school after all, but also like not giving a fuck, like being whimsical. Uh, so, you know, for me, it was just always about like, how do we carry this uh, balance artfully and push the culture forward that way? Um, and then it was really when like all the like business strat strategy and whatnot, like that really came after, like it was really ready for like launch. We like always like uh, this, I'm going to sound so corporate, um, but uh, there's always like in, in consulting, there's like a beachhead strategy, which is like, what is, um, and I think it's like a World War II reference of a sort, but like you conquer like the first speech and then you uh, expand out into create, uh, into conquering the other regions, very colonialist reference. So I apologize for that. But uh, the beachhead strategy uh, for us was like, let's try to target the customers that are like us that don't really feel heard in the market. So like, uh, you know, even before being Asian American or even before being American, you know, I'm Asian American. And then even before that, I'm Korean American. So I really just went through my media community uh, and started, you know, reaching out to really understand, you know, if what I feel was something that was unique to me or, or it was something that was more universal. Um, a small sample size was like, it seems like it's a little more universal of like, you know, that invisibility and of that kind of like intergenerational, like trauma and conflicts that care that you end up like carrying the weight of. Yes. Yeah, so based on that, it was really uh, focused around how do we develop this community? Um, and what do we want to talk about? You know, what do we want to showcase? What are the designs that you guys want to see? Uh, yeah. And Five years later, uh, I think we're still doing that. Um, although it's no longer just the KAs, but at the end of the day, Sunday school is and should be for everyone um, who for sure. you know, believes that God is high every day. God was high every day. <laughs> he had to be to create this place. I know. <laughs> uh, so you've also said in previous interviews that smoking cannabis it um in college helped you understand your own asian american identity uh so what did that self-discovery process look like and how have you been able to translate that understanding into sunday schools like design language and products yeah so you know when i first came to america i was almost kind of um you know i korea like just for context guys is like 99 percent korea like everyone's Korean, you know, so yes. I never fell out of place, you know, and also Korea is like really fucked up in that it's very patriarchal. So like as a Korean guy, I was like, you know, this world was built for me, you know, like, I was like so I never, I was like, oh yeah, like I could do whatever I want, blah, blah, blah. And then I came to America and I was like, oh shit, like, <laughs> oh my gosh, like. <laughs> a little different over here. Oops. <laughs> The first place that I came, like first place that I lived in America was Virginia. And, oh, God. Oh, gosh. Like everyone was white and like it was white, but like peak polo, like collar popped white, you know, salmon white. And I was like, oh, OK, like this is how America is. Like that was like my first impression. 
And yeah, and then I moved to New Jersey and then I moved to New York. Um, and then I was like, okay, like there are more, there are more people like us, <laughs> especially living in New York when I was in eighth grade was amazing because that's when I first realized like I never like America I knew was so like white. And then when I moved to New Jersey, I was like, okay, they're Koreans. And then when I moved to New York, I was like, okay, it's beyond white people and Korean people. They're like, <laughs> black people, they're, you know, <laughs> there's We're so many different, over here. Yeah. Like that's, that's when I like first, like really realized it. And mm-hmm. I'm so grateful for that, which is why, you know, I'm in New York right now. Um, although I'm moving to California in 20 days, oh, but um, oh, nice. I'm, yeah, I'm awesome, really excited. Thank you. Uh, Yeah. But like why I was like, okay, this is like the center of culture because I can interact with people who are not just like me and I can learn from them and I can, and beyond that, like, and I can also like contribute to, you know, understandings and whatnot. But then when I went to um, my boarding school and when I went to college, um, I started losing a bit of my Koreanness. Um, like I, I really had low self-esteem. I'm not gonna lie. Like I was looking back at my photos from like I don't know if you guys remember Facebook albums. I was looking through Whoa. my Facebook, <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, "Holy shoot!" Like I would have hated myself if mm-hmm. like me now looking back, mm-hmm. just trying so hard to fit in. Mm-hmm. You know, trying you know, there were these like balls and like a gossip girl was really in during, my- <laughs> oh so, my like, God. you know, I was like, Oh my God, how do I like penetrate this like society? Like very super like social climbing. Yeah. It was like, just really unbearable almost. Um, and then it was when I went to college. Uh, so just to give context, my boarding school was in Connecticut. It was like, like, I think it was like 70% white and then like, uh, 10% Asian, 10% black people, and then 10% like miscellaneous. They grouped everyone else like into one. It was, like, yeah, it was very Connecticut. Like yeah. that was like, it, it felt very Greenwich. Um, and yeah. And then at one point I looked at myself in the mirror and I kind of started hating myself. Um, mm. um, yeah. You know, um, now I love myself, but, or, I'm trying to love myself more. I, I think I do, uh, but you never know. Yeah, but it was when I went. To, it was when I started going to college when I realized that, like, I'm so, like, that summer I went to right after getting into college. I went to Korea and I was like, "Fuck, this feels like home." You know, there's that feeling, like, mm. that energy that you get from, like, I felt like a tiger. You know, um, <laughs> and. and yeah. And then when I was in Korea, I was, um, so I was like, okay, I'm going to channel this energy and I'm going to go to college and I'm going to, you know, manifest this. And I go and I try to fit in, but I was too American uh, for the Korean folks it, uh, at school. And then, um, yeah. And then I started getting like, kind of almost like ostracized from that community because I didn't like pour them liquor with two hands you know like there there was just a lot of like these things that you know I really internalized of like you know I'm going to try my best to be American uh, or at least like the Connecticut version of American that I knew and then when I tried to join the Korean American society you know they were like oh you're too Korean you just can't win yeah I I just had a bit of an identity crisis then so I just turned back into what I knew and I was like, you know what, I'm going to just hang out with the white people. But then six months later, same thing happened, you know, college, like it's like similar to high school. I started looking at myself in the mirror and I was like, wow, like, why am I not like white? You know, why am I not like this, like typical? Cause I think America, like same way Korea is like such a uh, Korea is a place that's built for Korean men, straight Korean men, which is so sad. America, I think, is a place that's built for straight white men. And mm. I was just like, I felt like almost as if I felt very worthless um, at a certain point. And then came weed. Uh, <laughs> Moral of the story. Here yeah, we go. Before, before a while, I would just kind of exter- like internalize everything from like the external forces that surrounded me. I started really looking inward to out. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes sense. Uh, 
So before I was just absorbing, 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 but then I was like, who am I, you know, what is me? <laughs> and, um, and like, I would always just hate silence and I would hate, you know, I'm more of an iced coffee. Let's finish this up so I can, you know, go start my day type. But I started drinking tea, started getting into tea ceremonies because of my Korean roommate who I love, who I'm moving to um, LA with. We were roommates in New York. Um, yeah. And basic, based on that, um, I started really kind of, claiming, you know, beyond being Korean, beyond being Korean American, like who Daewon Lim is. And what I realized is like, I am Korean, but I'm also American. And, um, and I am Korean American, regardless of what others say, but I'm also like a citizen of the world. And um, I'm, I'm still learning about myself, obviously, um, you know, now, like, you know, we went from having five people last year to having like, you know, like 20 people this year. And I'm now learning about myself as a manager, you know, like there's so many things and I think it'll only continue. I love that. Um, first of all, just thank you for even sharing your whole story because I think there are a lot of people listening to this podcast, just assuming that we all just have it together and we all just have it all figured out. And it's like, no, like we all go through various internal struggles that you may not, you know, know about, but it's it's the process on how you get through those struggles. So thanks for sharing that. Yeah, no, I mean, I still don't have it together. Like, <laughs> I feel very frazzled right now. But you know what? Like, it is what it is. What are you going to do about, mm-hmm. about it? Smoke some weed. Think about it. <laughs> I actually have recently been not smoking so much. FYI. <sighs> um, but I've been popping more edibles. Um, and the reason why is yeah. I never had COVID yet. But I thought I did, but then I kept like testing negative. So I don't know if like, I, I, I think I did, but I, it says I got tested like literally four times that week and it was all negative. So I don't really understand what, what's happening, but I was just like, you know what? I shouldn't really smoke. And then I was like, I, I just like stole so many gummies from our office in LA. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and then I've been just kind of like, microdosing um like mm-hmm. cutting them into fours um oh, okay. and it's been pretty so what is it uh per per, per piece 2.5 2.5 yeah. okay nice yeah my biggest gripe with the mochi gummies is that they're 10 per piece and i want to eat five of them in one sitting because they taste they're so tasty no. <laughs> don't do it don't do it chelsea <laughs> we, we have a new one coming out and um it's it's coming out in like I think three weeks, two weeks. It's like, it just finished um, curing, but literally I took one and it's like a CBN gummy and I took one and I was like, okay, I'm, you know, I just got YouTube premium. So I was like, I'm going to watch some (laughs) K-pop. I'm going to watch some K-pop bro groups. Uh, Oh my God. (laughs) I'm like, I, I was just like watching it on my bed thinking like, I'll, end up watching it literally like eight hours later my head is still turned like my neck was whole fucked because (laughs) I I fell asleep like not in the position I wanted to sleep in so I was like okay I'm gonna tread really lightly here so cutting everything in half these days it's good to know see you have to know thyself and trial and error as well (laughs) um jumping back into kind of more of your story Cannabis education has always been at the center of the Sunday School brand. And while you originally obviously intended to reach Koreans and other Asian Americans, you're now engaging with wider mainstream audiences, like we mentioned earlier. How do you plan to leverage Sunday School's growing platform to start new conversations around cannabis consumption and prohibition? So Sunday School is a school. And again, our mission is to globalize cannabis. Um, and, and hopefully we think it'll be a more peaceful world where if more people are high. Um, so with that in mind, you know, what's so sad is that because of the war on, war on drugs, and again, it goes back into Christian Christianity, um, because of like the Christian missionaries, like, and like that even roots back into Calvinism, the influence being, you know, only looked at it in a negative light. Um, like, you know, beyond like the metropolitan 
in state cities or you know the states of you know the more liberal states of America, like even in America and even in countries you know beyond Korea, like people places like China, places like Singapore, like it is demonized. So for us, we we want to provide not only information but contextualization of like what it feels like, what it should be like, how you can. Uh, customize it for your own needs and who should avoid it. You know, we just want to get kind of the basis covered and we want to get more stories out there so that it adds different flavors into like your conversation. So this 420, uh, we are launching our um, Sunday school flower verse. Yeah, it's actually really fun. Honestly, it's really just about sharing what, we feel like when we're high on our products um, and sharing it in a more uh, fun, more multidimensional way than mm. on emails or on Instagrams. So yeah, we were like, let's build our own world. Wait, so am I wearing VR goggles when this is happening or like, I'm like just on my phone? You're just on your phone, okay. computer, but we are trying to make like a VR world as well. Whoa. And I just want like, you know, everyone who is like our student to be able to participate and get <gasps> feel like they get high. So yeah, we're trying to debut like each room per day or per week. So yeah, we're really excited. Um, that is and, so cool. And yeah, so my, um, the person leading this project is my sister, Cindy, um, actually. So I'm really excited. She um, was most recently the like the metaverse lead at BCG. Um, and Casual. Now, she's, uh, now she's leaving that company to- Wow. Private equity okay. But yeah, no, it was so amazing to work with my sister again. And even beyond that, like, I'm just so excited to be able to foster more communication and, you know, share more information and really like, you know, pass off the vibes because even people in New York, like not many people here have tried our gummies. Like it's, I mean, obviously we don't send them here, so we don't sell them here. I personally have not tried them as well because I don't have access to them. So just, I just want to put that out there. I, I buy them in bulk every time I go to California. And, and Chelsea never brings them back for me. You see, this is how she plays ask. me. Closed mouths don't get fed. <laughs> You're right. You are definitely right about that. <laughs> But um, we are also launching our D2C, so um, you'll be able to buy them in California. And then hopefully we'll be in New York, but, you know, we're not trying to, like, force anything here. Mm -hmm. We just want to, we're not trying to be like, let's be an MSO, blah, 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 blah. Like, you know, we're not trying to conquer the market. Like, Mm -hmm. just we're trying to do whatever the fuck we want to do at the given moment after talking to our team members and our community. Like we asked, like in our Discord chat, like before we decided for the new flavor of like what we should make, we had like a few ideas and we did like a poll, you know, like, Mm. yeah. So we really love our community. Like I'm grateful for everyone. And that's actually how we decided to launch our weed brand um, because we were like, what should we drop next? And we, I, I, I personally was rooting for knits and like puffers, um, <laughs> but they were like eight jars. Uh, <laughs> rolls. Uh, so we're like, okay, fuck it. Um, so yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's like really clear how community focused this brand is. I feel like whoever is running your socials is like on Instagram all the time. Like, I'll DM Sunday school and I'll get an answer within, like, the hour, which I have never seen. <laughs> it's not you, Jay, is it? <laughs> is it you? It's me. Um, it was me, oh, wow. at least, till a month ago. And oh, then look at that. I got, now I have someone who I work with. Her name is Sophie. She's great. Yeah, but basically, it's, like, it's so, it's so hard, you know? Like... It just like almost is like its own thing mm-hmm. now. Before it was just me doing whatever the fuck I wanted. <laughs> then now there's a lot more to consider and a lot like there's more weight in the voice that we have. Um, so yeah, it's it's mm-hmm. it's and um, I want to get back into like having fun again. Um, 
with it, but I think I just need to like get my shit together because I don't, <laughs> I, I like just don't think I have my shit together right now. Do any of us? No uh, one does. I don't think anyone <laughs> does in the cannabis industry, especially. I feel like everything's all over the place all the time. Mm-hmm. So fake it till you make it. <laughs> yeah. So I don't think you should let that hold you back. Yeah. No, thank you. I, yeah. I, but you know, we'll get there. You know, yeah. time, we will fucking get there. Absolutely. So um, I actually want to ask a follow up question about like launching your products in California. I know that your team was able to overcome some of the initial operational challenges by like leaning on a mentor network and like a support network. So how are you able to even like source and find that team? And do you have any advice for entrepreneurs of color who are like new to the plant side plant touching side who like want to get in, but they don't know how to start all that kind of stuff. Okay. I think I'm just trying to figure out like what the actionable advice I can give here is, but um, people say that you're born with hustle. That's not true. You can fucking learn it. Um, I think I was born with it because my mom is just like, like the matriarch, you know, she like, she's amazing. Like she's my role model. I hope to be like her one day, oh. but also there's, like, I'm still pretty shy. Like when I get into a room with someone, I can like really talk and have fun, but like, I'm not the type to like get to that room. You know, I don't go to parties that I'm not invited to. Like I'm not the girl waiting in line, but you have to be, when you are an, an entrepreneur, you have to knock on doors and you have to get ready to say, be said no. Like when we first were like trying to launch a cannabis line uh, and when we were like looking for some like funding, I cannot tell you how many people laughed at my face. They were like, ah, ha, 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 good <laughs> luck. Like you are what smoke wear trying to what? And I was just like, yeah, you know, like iron face on. But honestly, like now, like, where are you now? Like I'm here. Where the fuck are you? Yeah, it takes grit and it takes persistency. Like it's mm-hmm. every day is a battle, you know, and and some days are really hard and some days are, you know, good and rewarding, but some days are really, really, really tough. Like, I think I've gone through depression probably like four times um, in the past two years. Um, it's real. Yeah. yeah. And like, and sometimes at, at some points you don't even realize you're depressed because you're just kind of like spinning that wheel. And then when you are ordering Uber Eats at 3 a.m., like yourself in the mirror after you weigh yourself, like that's when you know, oh shit, I'm in some shit right now. (laughs) But I think really just about um, finding your community and in cannabis, it's really not hard to find your community. For instance, at Ophelia, like Ophelia is someone that I truly love, like because I just, I don't know. It just like really warms my heart to see her. Um, I just love Asian women in general. Like, I, I think they're just like, so I, I think it's because I love my mom so much. Um, and I love my grandma. Like they're the two people who raised me. Like whenever I see them, i and like my best friend is my sister. So it's just like, you know, like, I think there's that, but with Ophelia, like, you know, she's introduced me to so many people and, I don't work with all of them, but like I have amazing conversations with them and I'm friendly with them. And for us, like if you have something that you are truly passionate about and you believe it and you have the grit and the persistency to push that vision through, no matter how many people say no, there will be, there's like 7 billion people in the world. Like, you know, there will be someone who is like, okay, word. Like, I will help you, you know, even like our co-packers that we work with, like, you know, for instance, like we work with this company called Leaflets, um, who, and I don't know, like they're one of the larger co-packers. They're amazing. Um, one of the first people I met in cannabis and like, you know, our first co-packer was CZ. Like that was amazing too. Like, you know, they really inspired me to be like, okay, if these Korean boys can do it, I can do it, you know? And then now working with like Elefante, you know, I, I again, like read Julie, I love Asian women. <laughs> so I was just like, you know, there's something so special about 
being able to, and like SF roots, that's one of, and like, you know, like being a minority entrepreneur and like someone like Morris, who is so like confident and just so like, like his presence, I think is like, there's so much gravitas in there uh, versus like, I'm all about that levity. Um, Yeah. So I think, you know, for us, like we could have easily, and like not to say that that's not the right approach. Like if that's what feels right to you, you should do that. But like, we could have also worked with like the big uh, corporate, you know, white guys, like who are co-packers, but we didn't. And I would not do it again, just because for us, like our brand is just about authentically representing our community and our community starts with people who work on our products. And mm-hmm. I think an actual advice is really believe in yourself to like reach out for help. Um, don't be ashamed to LinkedIn blast. Don't be ashamed to DM people you don't know. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. And just like we have a, my motto is um, which means just, which literally means do it and it'll happen in korean just do it you know um and that's what i live by every day and that's exactly what's happening now you're doing it and you are literally making history right now there there is someone right now looking up to you right now being like oh my gosh if he can do it i can do it we all can do it so i just i'm so happy to have your story being shared today on high priority Um, So I kind of want to jump back into like the more kind of inclusive part of your mission statement. So as an Asian owned company and operated company, Sunday School has been very outspoken about its mission to make the industry more inclusive and accessible via its diverse supply chain. Um, And you obviously just talked about how you're trying to work with more than just the white guy, the average white guy. So like, how does your team approach sourcing different vendors and materials if you're, you know, really trying to focus on being inclusive and how can smaller or growing businesses build relationships with diverse vendors if they don't know where to start? Yeah. So there are actually like amazing resources, which I'm sure like you guys all like know about, but like for us, um, so our team right now is I think 80% women. Mm -hmm. And then I think now it's like 90% Asian um, slash Asian American. And, you know, for us that it's not like, we are like, oh, we're going to hire Asian women. Like that's literally not the case. It's just that we, I think there is some sort of like, because it's, it was started by me, my sister and Mia, like we just, you know, decided to, I guess we started with our friends and I think their friends, you know, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, for me, especially now, I think we are at a point where we are going beyond just, like the Asian slash Asian American customer. And we've been really feeling that way recently. Yeah. And it's, it's a very like tough uh, balance because, you know, so for instance, like 420 is happening, right. Obviously, which is like a big sales month, blah, 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 blah. Um, And we were like, how can we actually do something that means something? So we had two options. One is like do a sale and make more money on discounts or two was like, let's we donate 1% of our revenue every uh, month uh, to like different organizations that our customers can actually choose. Um, So for April, obviously we're like, let's focus on cannabis justice reforms because like me as an Asian guy, like no one's going to search me for weed and try to make trouble out of it. But like, there are so many POC that that is such a real problem too. And there are people in fucking jail where mm-hmm. we're like, you know, obviously like beyond the organizations that, you know, like, you know, uh, cannabis justice reform, last prisoners project, they're amazing organizations, but like who else is out there and like, what are like more targeted kind of approaches to helping. So we really focus, we have a charity partner named Beam 
And they're amazing because they like, we don't even have to worry about how much to donate. They just calculate it for us and we just need to pay the money. Uh, and basically we really focused on like charities with not a lot of overhead, like not a lot of people working on it, like, so that it just goes directly to the community. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, for instance, like even as we launch our cannabis DTC, like we want to be able to implement this to our cannabis DTC as well. And like 1% of revenue may not sound like a lot, but like to us, it is a lot because we're not profitable, you know, like. Wow. That's real. That's good to hear that. Like you're telling the exact story, the true story. Yeah. Like we, we, like on a cash basis, like there's a huge problem because like, I mean, yeah, hopefully not a lot of retailers hear this, but like in California, retailers don't love to pay on time. So, uh, Mm. yeah, like, and like we have to pay everything up front. So where's the math here? Right. Like Mm -hmm. it just doesn't add up. Yeah. So like, even if it makes sense on like a accrual basis, like if you look at it in a cash basis, I would assume there's not a lot of non-vertically integrated brands that are profitable like that's the mm-hmm. option yeah because wow. we run a pretty lean ass operation and if we're having this much trouble like i don't like our fashion business is literally feeding the cannabis business like wow. because wow. fashion business is completely direct to consumer you know right. we don't have to worry about not getting paid because shopify has got shopify is worrying that with visa you know mm. um so yeah, I mean, basically, like what we are now really hoping to do is, you know, as we work with um, vendors, as we work with sort like sourcing, as we work with co-packers, as we work with I mean, packaging manufacturers, we work with Korean people and Chinese people, just because like that's where we know, like that's how we started, and we love working with them. And I love that. Yeah, but especially in California, we were like. You know, I'm not going to name any names, um, but when we first started, we worked with uh, some farms and it was like what I experienced in high school vibes. You know, it was just like it was very like provincial, uh, like, oh, you don't know anything about cannabis. Like, oh, oh like wow. you don't know how it works. Yeah, I'm, like a gatekeeping. Yeah, no shit. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, but yeah, so. But then, you know, for us, like, honestly, now working with like people like Julie from Elefante, right? Like, for instance, I think that's a great example. Like, we didn't know shit about the gummies, but she taught us so much on like what like it actually takes. And, and you know, even like right now, we're working with like, um, you know, a few manufacturers like the Crown, we're working with like SF Fruits, like they have taught us so much. And like, also like Donnie um, from Leaflets, he's amazing. Like, we have done so many runs with him and I'm just so impressed by the consistency and the quality, but I learned so much about like different infusions, different cannabinoids, like, because like, you know, this guy, he's like this, you know, Chinese guy and like his operations just full of like Chinese aunties, just like, you know, roll in and, (laughs) and like, this is by no means like, this just happened organically because that's just the type of people we are like J Tran um, is our head of cannabis and she, you know, she's very ingrained in this community. Um, And she was the one who was like, yo, we gotta work with people who we stand for, you know, Mm -hmm. work with the same old Israeli venture capitalists, like, (laughs) you know, like what's the point? (laughs) And I'm so grateful for her. Dying over here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so grateful for that because that actually has been the ethos in which we do things. And yeah. And like basically also the same advice, like if you want to know, like the resources out there, do your research, right? Like supernova woman, like I think is an amazing organization, right? Oh, like, amazing. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. We had Amber on the show. She's Wow, force to be reckoned with. Amazing. Like I re- we recently like shot something with Mary Pryor. Um love her. Clients. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Love. Um yeah. you know, and like it's really easy to like it's called the internet. Like, <laughs> like Google University. Yeah, exactly. Let me Google that for you. Um 
But I think the harder part is like thinking about this because like most people don't even think about this, mm-hmm. you know? So do things with intent, intent. Don't just sell the intent as like, do it for when you want to sleep, do it for when you want to focus, like no shit, you know, <laughs> just like figure out how intent can trickle down into your organization. Mm, I love that. And I think the other like, I guess, lesson from this is also like, you don't have to be like big and you don't have to feel like you've like made it to give back. Right. Because everyone is like in a growth stage and it's the margins are really thin in this industry. And I feel like maybe some people starting out are like, well, I've made enough money to like give back. But I think you've set a really important like example is like, you can still be growing and like give back in other ways or like just do what you can. Yeah. And it's really a percentage, you know, it's like, like if you make more money, you you can give more. If you make less money, you can give less. Like, you know, it's not like being tied to donate a hundred thousand dollars every year, like more so than like the actual money donate. If every corporation did something like this, which like you can, it's just about the mindset. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Okay. So now that we are done with the serious part of the interview, let's jump into the fun stuff. And I feel like you're going to have some fun answers for us. So number one, if you could infuse cannabis into any food or drink, what would it be? I mainly um, use cannabis for sleep um, and like post work. Like I, 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 you know, it's like a reward system. So probably my answer would be, I, and I'm really not trying to plug here, but mochi. <laughs> you just happen to make mochi gummies. <laughs> it's my favorite food. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Next question. What's your ideal setting to enjoy cannabis? When I have, it's not like a, POV, but when I am sure of my needs. Okay. That's a different answer. All right. Next question. What is your biggest cannabis related pet peeve? Uh, saliva all over the. Uh, yes. Like Wet joints. Soggy, soggy. Disgusting. Oof. Yeah. You got like, it. So some I'm French boys, like, no. <laughs> yeah. That's universal. Yeah. I'm with you on that one, yeah. If you could smoke with any celebrity, dead or alive, who would it be and why? It's like a tie, but Shakespeare, I would love to smoke with. Or like, uh, yeah, also Yayoi Kusama. Oh my God. You are just giving answers that no one has given. Like, I love this. This is great. I feel like she was definitely (laughs) higher on something when she was making her art. Oh, for sure. On (laughs) mushrooms or... She's probably higher right now. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Which I'm about to be in five seconds. Um, Last question. What's the one rule you set for yourself when you get high? And if you don't have one, what's the one rule you should set for yourself? Um, The one rule that I set for myself is follow your heart but the one rule that i should set for myself is don't eat oh with the munchies yeah that's pretty universal oh man i am in my bloat phase right now and (laughs) (laughs) i was like how am i gonna live in la like this (laughs) yeah la is a different beast definitely Mm -hmm. have to be like a a size double 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 triple zero so Mm -hmm. Uh yeah, you're going to roll All up to that. the med spa on your way to your apartment. I got to go to Korea. <laughs> like, True. That's shit done. Yes. All right. Well, Jay, thank you so much for spending your Friday evening with us. Um, for our listeners who want to find you, learn more about your brand, Sunday School, where can they find you? Yeah. So, uh, well, I mean, honestly, thank you so much you, to you guys and to the listeners. Like, like, like wow. I, I'm floored. Um, <laughs> and yeah, if you want to learn more about Sunday School, um, it's www.sunday.school or Instagram is at .sunday.school. Um, we have, you can learn about our 10 commandments, um, which include, uh, first one is called, it's, it's in both Korean and English, but uh, the first one is called Know Thyself. And I think the sixth one is Thou Shalt Not Kill Unless Thou Slay. So stuff like that um, you can find on our website or on our Instagram uh, or on our Discord channel. 
And we are, uh, will be going live with www.sunday.flowers where you'll be able to get more information about our cannabis products, about how we make things, about who we work with. And hopefully in May for API month, you will be able to buy it directly from us um, to your door. Nice. There you have it. Thanks, Day. Thanks again for listening to High Priority. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Special thanks to Antoine Dry, Donald Edwards, and Jim Pryor from Dirty Soap Entertainment for our intro music. To learn more about our show and parent company, Matteo Communications, head on over to our website at matteo.com. That's M-A-T-T-I-O.com. 